Grab a coffee, pour a cuppa, and join us, your hosts, Jasmine and Stephanie, as we discuss all things health, fitness, and well-being. A to Z well-being. I wanted to ask you actually, I don't think we've even had this talk, do you think your food and your what you've been eating and your kind of your nutrition has changed? since being in lockdown, do you think what you've been eating has been different or do you think what you've been eating has kind of stayed the same pre-lockdown? Um, I think because where we've worked overseas for so long, we've been dictated to what we can eat in a lot of places that we've lived, um, which I've struggled with quite a lot. But actually, I'd say my, my diet's better now since lockdown because yeah. I have more time to like prepare food. I've been more creative with what I cook and um, taking more time to go and buy fresh produce, not you know, bulk supermarket, buy and go to like green grocers and things like that, purely because I have time now. So yeah, I'd say my, my diet's definitely improved, but I, I do think it's more of a, a time thing than necessarily like a, I consciously did it in regards to like wanting to eat better, but I will continue it after lockdown. That's good, and and we take on those positive things, don't we? Like, well, lockdown has taught me that I can do X, Y, and Z, <laughs> and I'm gonna do this moving forward. I'm gonna, yeah, implement. Yeah, I think I'd say the same because when you when you're traveling a lot, what you can eat is really quite difficult because you have to make use of what's around you. So um, I think I've always been quite resourceful in terms of what I can find, but it's actually quite nice getting into a routine of what you can cook and what you can make and what sort of things work well for your body and and whatnot. So but we're um sorry, say that again? Do you think you've been quite good through lockdown with your diet? You've been juicing and all sorts. Yeah, um I would say I think when we went when we went into lockdown it was a case of I mean we being in the wellness space we've always been health conscious but I think I don't know, everyone, I think, felt a bit more of a kick up the bum of, like, right, well, we need to, like, actually be really looking after ourselves. And for me, it was a, it was a looking after myself all over, like, you know, exercise, nutrition, um, and it was, it was the whole package, so the mental health as well, and it all kind of, it all kind of fed in. Um, but, yeah, I definitely think, that, I think it was just kind of a, a, a shove up the bum, like, even more so, let's really... <laughs> Um, but we are going to be um, we're going to be bringing on Charlotte today to talk a little bit more about nutrition. She's a nutrition coach, and uh, we tried to bring her on a few weeks ago and it didn't work. So I've got my fingers and toes crossed that it's going to work this week. <laughs> I think I'm, 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 jump, I'm really excited about this because like, we had like so many questions. Um, I'll be like typing questions next. Like, like nutrition is such a minefield of you know things changing all the all the time and what right and wrong and yeah like it's just every time you think you've got it right <laughs> something else changes or you go to a different stage in your life where you need to adapt to diet again like we talk about hormones and stuff so really really excited to hear what she has to say so if no one has any questions do type them on the screen and we will ask because um yeah i'm sure you'll have loads to ask her yeah you've got what have you have you got a list of things? I've got all of the things. <laughs> <laughs> How we'll keep this down to an hour, I don't know. We'll try our hardest. <laughs> Just joining us. Um, this is going to be a, a chat all about nutrition, and we're going to be picking Charlotte's brain on all things, you know, our relationship with food and, and wellness. And one of the reasons I'm so interested to get your view on this, Charlotte, is because those of you that don't know um, myself or Charlotte or or that well, we actually studied at uni together. <laughs> So, back in the day, <laughs> and um, and so we were, you know, health conscious then because of because of what we did and, and being in, in the dance space. But we've both, I don't know about you, Charlotte, but I'd say we've come like so far in terms of who we are and what we believe and our relationships with our bodies. Um, so those of you that don't necessarily know Charlotte's background, I want to ask. I want to ask you, Charlotte, if you just let everyone know, <laughs> what is your background with this whole wellness space and relationship with nutrition? And do you want to just kind of give a little bit of a backstory? Yeah, um, I don't even know where to start. So I think I've always been interested in 
interested in nutrition anyway. Like, I've always been quite health conscious. I think, for me, unfortunately, it did start from a really unhealthy place with eating disorders, disordered eating, um, <clears throat> and body dysmorphia, those things. But I was always conscious about what we're putting into our bodies and how it fuels us, and then obviously going on to study to be a dance, to train as a dancer. And for me, I age, that was always what I wanted to do. I was like, just dance, just dance. Um, and I think then going to the course that we studied on, it was really lucky because we got opened up to a lot of other things within that realm. And I think then studying the dance science aspect of um, just how our bodies move um, and then kind of getting into fitness through that way. Um, so then when I graduated, I, I kind of wasn't a bit of a limbo. Like, I knew I wanted to dance but then I also was really really interested in the health and fitness side and mine I think I just naturally like because I came back here and I was training with an amazing like female like dance company um Jamie like incredible um and Jasmine was like a massive like influence with different styles of dance but then I think just naturally for me I was putting more just effort into the fitness and personal training side um I'm also massively interested in psychology and then it just kind of like all interlinked and um, I think I was just always reading books on nutrition and um, I've literally bought a little stack just as like my favourite ones, just for reference. <laughs> 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 um, I read this one, like Patrick Helms' Optimum Nutrition Bible and he just blew my mind um, and then it kind of just stuck from there and then I didn't regret studying an adult degree because absolutely loved uni, loved what we studied. But then I thought, oh, I wish I was to be a nutritionist. Um, and then it's that like annoying phase where I have to pay to go to uni again now. So I tried to kind of like I'm trying to look to alternative routes to kind of go into more holistic nutrition. Um, yeah, and then it just stemmed from there. Came back to trainer, Pilates teacher. And there we are, and here we are today. <laughs> I, it's really interesting you say about um, psychology in with that, and, and I think that's such a huge, huge thing. And uh, you know, your how your mental state can affect not only what you do in terms of your physical training and whether you're physically active, whether you physically get out of bed in the morning, um, but also your relationship with food. So, do you um, do you believe there's kind of a, a strong link with when we're struggling with our mental state and then potential? Um, routes we might go down in terms of what we choose to fuel ourselves with? Do you think there's a strong link there? 100%. So, also just want to put that like, disclaimer, I'm not a nutritionist um, or a dietitian. so important to say. I'm just a nutrition coach, coach yeah. but massively read most books. So this is one book called Gut by Julia Enders. I can never pronounce the name, but yeah, so 95% of our serotonin, which is our happy hormone, is created in our gut. Um, so there is already strong like scientific links that your gut health, having healthy, having a healthy gut and healthy gut microbiome, is linked to having good moods. So obviously, what you're putting into your body will have an effect on your moods. Um, but then I think when it comes to relationships with food, um, things like eating disorders, and I just speak from personal preference, but personal um, experience here. It is very psychological, so you are. It is your um, kind of your your relationship with food and how that makes you feel. So sometimes, like when I was in that state, I and I was reading all these books, and I, I knew I knew these these eating better would make me feel better and make me essentially happier. But when you do have that negative relationship with food in your body, it is that like kind of barrier almost. Mm. Yeah, it's 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 really interesting, isn't it? Because it's like it goes so much deeper and so much more, it's so much more complex than necessarily, just eat well, just eat better, yeah. just do yes. it. <laughs> um, I think, especially with social media and things nowadays, like, don't get me wrong, I love Instagram for reasons like this, but there is so much conflicting information on there, especially when you are maybe in the height of the disordered eating phase, or you, you're maybe not quite there yet, but you're all over the shop, you're yo-yo dieting, and then you're looking to like, sources that maybe are unreliable for advice um, and you kind of or if you are in that disordered eating phase and you it's not as easy as just being like the, there'll be influence on Instagram being like just eat this and look like me and it's it's not that easy because everybody is so individual 
Yeah, that's such a good point actually, because you think about it, social media is a platform for everyone to share their inner thoughts, inner feelings and opinions, but a lot of the time it is, it is just that, it's opinions. And if someone posts a really attractive, sexy meme, of like, <laughs> you know, eat this and look like this, all of a sudden you're like, right, I'm sold, that's what I'll do. And um, I think on the surface that looks harmless, but when you, when you take it a little bit deeper, and especially... I don't, I don't want to say just, you know, people growing up and, you know, young, young adults. I think adults are affected too, but if you think about as well the younger generation, they're in, they are subjected to so much more um, social media influence than we ever were. And, and that kind of makes my heart hurt a little bit in terms of, yeah, what, what message is that feeding? And, and, and really it's, it's kind of educating people to know that they need to actually look a little bit further than an Instagram post. It needs to be a little bit more education behind it in terms of studying, in terms of reading books, papers, um, and that's why I think you always need to continue your 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 education, your development as a as a professional in the industry. Would you would you agree like with that sort of thing? I think um, it's having those set boundaries. Um, so from say someone who's looking for help with diet and nutrition, um, I always about investing in someone who can really, really, really help you, and this isn't maybe like a, a selling point, like, you know, investing in a coach, investing in me, but it is, we waste so much money on diet pills and the next fad diet and all of these things that, like a quick fix, um, whereas all of that is going to add up in price costs, essentially, it's not going to really get you anywhere, whereas if you do invest in someone who is really knowledgeable in that, in that area and can really help you get long-lasting results and just become healthier, coming from multiple knowledgeable resources surely then you're you're equipped with better knowledge to be able to make an informed decision and choice for yourself and your health anyway aren't you then really yeah well, it, it's so individual like what works for and obviously i'm not saying like everyone have it has negative relationships with food or like a negative psychology but even if say you just want to make minor tweaks in your diet there are always baseline things to follow but it is also very individual but then we always sometimes overlook those basic things and this is again where, where all that cross information comes out it can be so confusing we're not even doing the basics like sleeping managing your stress eating more fruit and vegetables because we think we see on instagram it's like okay i need to into some fats i need to um cut this food in power i need to eat this at this time i can't eat after six and it's like no just forget all of that and just do the basics first yeah Okay, that's interesting. From from a nutrition point of from a nutrition coach point of view, what would you say are the nutrition basics that we could all be aiming to tick on like a daily or weekly basis? Would you say? Definitely, just not overcomplicating it. Eating more fruits and vegetables. Eating more whole food sources, like minimizing your processed food sources. Drinking more water. Um, being just watching your sugar intake, your protest, processed sugar intake. Um, and yeah, just trying to get that overall balance and learning to listen to your body as well. Like our bodies are so clever and kind of, I just never ever ever realized this because again, when you're starting out on your fitness journey or you want to be healthy and there's all this conflicting information and it tells you to eat at certain times and blah, 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 that might not work for you. You might not want to insist fast because you might be starving in the morning because that's your body. You, but you might not be hungry until 11 a.m., 12, 12 p.m. Like, so then, listen, so yeah, learning to listen to your natural hunger cues and that it takes time. And also just being patient, just being so patient. Yeah, I love that. And, and you know, talking about listening to your body, I'm a, I'm a huge advocate of that myself. And I 
um, when I'm giving people, um, when I'm coaching people in, in wellness and and their well-being, I often say, you know, you know, exercise intuitively or try and eat intuitively. And then they kind of say to me, well, that's all very well, but what if I want to wake up and eat cake? <laughs> and I'm, I've got to say, I've got to say, from, um, from, a, from an intuitive eating point of view, I'm very new to it, and it's something that I really want to work towards. But what would you say to people that... Um, maybe have like a, a craving for the, the bad foods would you how would you kind of advise to kind of break those habits yeah so when you say intuitive eating I say read this book <laughs> intuitive eating it's incredible and they say in here as well like I think that comes with your trust around food um we think that okay if I'm just gonna let myself be with food um I'm gonna go eat all of my food because I kind of almost don't trust myself. But also it's labelling foods good and bad. So we think, oh, I'm just going to intuitively eat and eat what I want and listen to my body. Your body doesn't want to eat four million pounds of cake. Like, it, it actually doesn't. <laughs> no, yeah. It comes to listening to your body and trusting it. Like, your body does want those healthy foods because there are essential vitamins and nutrients that we need to function optimally. Um, and I just think that comes from that this whole like diet culture world uh, of labelling foods good and bad, and almost putting these foods on a pedestal. So we 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 almost trick ourselves to think, oh, if I if I like, you know, just cut, go away from a diet or a plan, I will lose all all sense of control because I just won't be able to stop eating the cake. And it's because we put this cake on a pedestal. Whereas if we learn to tell ourselves, I can have that cake whenever I want it. I can have cake today. I can have it tomorrow. And I can have it So you want it more. It's that psychology of things, and yeah. and potentially why that be, that being you know the diets. If you if you put yourself on a restrictive diet, you know you can't eat this, you can't eat that. All of a sudden you're like, I really really want that. I really want to eat it. <laughs> it's so um, important. So Tara just made a really good comment saying like, try not to buy certain foods in the house to avoid temptation, and that's it's such an important point because again everybody's so different, and everyone will have trigger foods. And as much as I try to like encourage clients to develop a healthy relationship with those foods it can be important at the start of it just to get it out of the house because not even from a restrictive point of view but if you aren't at that place yet where you can have it in the house and like say if you buy a block of cameras and you just don't have that willpower in you yet to be able to like just have a square here and there or like a like a line of it um you know you're going to eat the whole one but just don't have it in the house until you have developed that healthy relationship with it but like I I used to like when I had was in the height of like I had bulimia and then I kind of moved into like a binge eating disorder and I would have I could have like jars of peanut butter that I would just smash I had a chop or like biscuit and like they're foods for a long time I just had to I would never buy in, in the shop now I'm not covered up I think about like five jars of peanut butter and it's like it's cool it's there because I can have it whenever I want it I don't feel the need to go eat a whole jar because it takes time to get to that place, but you've got to work with that time. Yeah, I think that's 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 really encouraging to know that I think people people listening that potentially do have um, a difficult relationship with food right now, knowing that you've managed to go from from that to to where you are now, it's reassuring to know that there is there is always chance to to build that relationship and for it to emerge into something healthier and stronger and. Yeah, and I think, you know, I love the fact that you constantly say, you know, everybody is different. And I think personality types have, have a big part to play in it. And this is actually something that's only just really kind of occurred to me now. But um, I know we're into um, astrology um, and we like that sort of thing. So if you guys are as well, maybe this resonates with you. Maybe you not, maybe not, in which case, don't worry about it. But um, certain, certain personality types, depending on star signs and your blueprint makeup, will have certain things that you lean towards. So I know... Me being Scorpio, I'm all, it's all about the pleasure, all about the good things in life. How can I have the most fun in the most ways, it, be it food, be it socially, be it whatever, it's, that's what Scorpios are all about. And I know personally when I struggle, um, 
I will definitely turn to food as a source of pleasure, as a, as a source of, I can enjoy myself by eating this and it's the, yeah, it's the gorging on the chocolate or whatever it is to make me feel better and it is a way of making me feel better in the instant but I know in the long run it doesn't actually, I know it's not going to serve me in the long run so it's just having that, yeah, step back to be like actually I know if I eat X, Y and Z it's going to be so much more worth it because it is going to serve me and it's going to fuel my body and make me feel better which I think when you train like we do, like lots of people do quite often you need to eat well for your body to operate as a functioning machine. <laughs> um, it's so important you say that about personality types. So, like, when we were in uni, was writing our dissertations, I actually wrote mine on how perfectionism as a, as a personality type influences the onset of eating disorders. And there's two types of perfectionism, so there's negative and there's positive. And it's negative perfectionism, which is... And I was very like, influenced by myself and my own personality traits looking into this because I'm a perfectionist and I'm a Capricorn, so we are perfectionists. We, yes. I'm, and I have an obsessive personality, like things have to be in my control. Um, not as bad, nowhere near as bad now, but like a few years ago, like or when we were at uni, like it was like it's that sense of control. Eating disorders is a sense of control. Um, and the study that I did with the first year um, female contemporary dancers was really interesting and there was a direct correlation between the people that had negative perfectionism personality traits and whether they had an eating disorder or were pretty much on the cusp of having an eating disorder or disordered eating, they're two very different things um, and it's so true because it's we, we were, especially when we were at uni we were training so much we were dancing all day every day and we were going to the gym on top of that and we were, doing, we were having rehearsals and it's so important to fuel your body to be able to do those things because then it, it does get to a point where you don't recover, you don't, like, your muscles are going to be aching all the time, pretty much. You are more prone to injury, you're prone to, like, electrolyte imbalances, hormonal imbalances, being a female, you can lose your periods if you're not eating enough good food. So it's all these things that, and it's so funny you say going back to a younger age, like, I wish I was told part of my recovery was learning all this about my body and how amazing our bodies are and what they need to function. I didn't know all of this. So when I'm training God knows how many hours a day, really restricting my calories and then purging and then binge eating some days and because having like controlling food was something I was, because I was out of control of a lot of other things in my life, controlling food was the one thing I could have control over. But then once I didn't have control over it because Yeah, that's so interesting, and, and, I, and I think you're right, I think for, for me in lockdown I've done a lot of work on, on understanding my body and, and developing my relationship with it, communication with it and all the rest of it, and it's, it's made me kind of, not, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say angry, but I'm a bit bitter at the fact that I wasn't taught so many things, and, and I can't get angry about it because everyone does their best. But certain things I wasn't taught, and I think, well, why not? Because if we know the why, we're way more likely to implement those, those healthy changes. So, for instance, all the whys of why do we exercise? If you know the reasons why you exercise, it's less of it in the morning, it's less of a, oh, I don't want to get out of bed. You're just kind of like, no, I want to, I want to do this because I know why I should be doing this. If you know why you should be eating well, it kind of, it just it motivates you that much more. So I know I know the why behind nutrition are, are lengthy and, and um, very complex, but for, for people listening now, are there any kind of like bullet points of this is why you want to feel your body, body right? And then we'll get into a little bit more about little things that we could implement in terms of, of life changes. Yeah, so I think the why I've always had shoved on me since a little girl from magazines and social media and this is to look a certain way. And you almost get that conditioned in your mind that that's the only reason to exercise and eat a certain way, is to look a certain way. And everybody's body is different. Everybody looks different. You look the way you do because you are uniquely beautiful. Like, that, that is, like, that's the, the truth. And it's amazing. Why would you want to look like somebody else? We're not conditioned like that. Um, but then, yeah, there are, it's, 
I think it's really interesting with the whole kind of diet, anti-diet push movement that comes in and the body positivity and those things, which is amazing. But I also sometimes feel they can go to the other far extreme of it, of it's forgetting to highlight that we are still living in a very real, like, obesity-like pandemic, like, which those, like, like, obesity is directly linked to things like um, heart disease and diabetes and all those, like, issues that then you can be hospitalised for, heart health, gut health, um, and it's, then, but then away from that, if we are not, if we are just fueling our bodies, eating well and moving a lot more, you will naturally be, not, not smaller, but like, I can't explain it, um, you'll be less likely to be obese, um, but then, aside from that, with the external shell, internally, it is your heart health, your gut health, your brain health, um, just everything just functioning optimally and happy, your hormone your hormone health, your, your levels of hormones, especially from females, your reproductive health, um, it's just endless, the, the amount of things, so to kind of thinking, um, so like your bone density, all those things like females, we need to be able to, we need, like lifting weights for females helps with your bone density and your bone health, so getting stronger is good for, for your bones, so then when you reach past the age of like, I think it's 30 or 35, you're less likely to be at risk of developing like osteoporosis and bone like issues, so, and like poor joint health, um, I don't know about you, but I don't want to get 60 and be like, oh my god, I can't walk, I've got sciatica, and like, I can't run around with my children and my grandchildren. So it's simple things like that, thinking about your future children, what you pass on to them. Um, I'm reading this amazing book called Period Power, and your gut health starts when you are a baby in your mum's tummy. Like, your gut microbiome and how good it is is determined then. So then you think, right, when I'm, when I'm finally eventually able to get pregnant and have children, I was sure I'm the healthiest for my child to be able to pass that on to my child so then they might not struggle with certain issues that maybe I have so yeah it's very very deep like that's so amazing <laughs> and you know I'm reading that book at the moment as well and would recommend everybody to read um it's so good I know that sounds really extreme but I've never read a book that I'm like this needs to be on the school curriculum yeah <laughs> do you know what I, I at first I was like every female needs to read this book and I was like no everybody not not females men as well absolutely but yeah no and I, and I, and I love that the fact that you know it's it's so much deeper than the exterior shell and I, and I, I think that's one of the things not just with nutrition but with, with movement with exercise with healthy relationship with sleep and stress we we live in such a visual society and, and everything is so kind of um 2d and, and and it is so visual and it takes a lot of conditioning and breaking down that conditioning to flip your viewpoint and say actually it's a lot more about an internal health and internal longevity and you know saying about how when you when you get older you want to be able to still be feel youthful and, and I think about in my life the people that are older that have such a youthness like a youngness about them and you're like I want to be like that when I'm old I want to be the one that is still up and dancing at the 80th birthday or whatever I don't want to be the one that you know is is struggling I want to have that youth that youth vitality within me and I think if we can do all of the things that we can to to make that a possibility then then why would we not I think that's such a such a huge thing like conditioned mind to think that when we do get to a certain age we kind of have to accept being those things not really being able to walk as good or being as active or as youthful as we are now like granted yeah things will change when you get older your hormones will change again and it will affect certain energy levels and things like that but you can still work around it you can still always move you might have to change how you train or adapt it slightly um and that's why it's always still good to work with a professional um but yeah you I don't know, we just have this weird conditioned mind that when we get old that we have to be not as active. Yeah, it's not true. <laughs> okay, so what, what would you say, because um, there's a lot, of, um, a lot of the diets, I'm going to call them diets because essentially that's what they are, they are. Um, you know, like the keto, the paleo, the, you know, I, all of the rest of it. Someone comes to you and says, I want to go on this because I want X, Y, and Z. Um, what... What are your thoughts on those kind of hard and fast rules? Because I think as a society, as, as individuals, we quite like a rule book of, if I follow this, I will get this. 
So if I eat X, Y, and Z, this will happen. So what do you, what's your kind of thoughts on those very, very strict, um, very, very specific, they are very quite, you know, to the point, diets? What would you, what, what's your opinion on, on them? Well, I think, again, it's very individual. So if I, for example, do you get a hike who's seeing me like, oh, I'm, I, I'm, I'm doing this or I want X, Y, and Z, or say, for example, it's most common with females, I want to lose weight, so I want to try this. I'm always like, I always have to get to the bottom of the why first. That's so important. Like, why do you want this? Like, why do you want to lose weight? Where is it coming from? Where is the place that it's coming from inside of you? Because if it's not coming from a healthy place, um, I'm sorry, but trying X, Y, Z diet, it's not going to work because you're always chasing for this thing that you're still never going to be happy for. Whereas then if somebody comes to me and be like, oh, I'm struggling maybe with my gut health or um, I just, I just want to feel a little bit more like less tired, a bit more energetic um, and then we'll figure what works for them as well and it's just, yeah, I think it's I really do struggle with things like the keto and um, all these different kind of diets because some of them do have incredible benefits um, things like instant fasting, does it, they can have incredible benefits but again it's essentially down to what suits you and it's, especially when it comes to weight loss which is what, like what most people do strive for, unfortunately, because I just feel like it's not always about that. But it can come from a, when it comes from a healthy place. It's really, really good. Um, but yeah, so with oh, I've lost my thought. I'm trying to thought now. Keto. <laughs> they do have their place, but um, it's yeah. If if it does work for you, because essentially, yeah. So with weight loss, it's just calories in versus calories out. Like. That's a simple equation, but there can be so much more to that. If you have, like, say, a condition where you are insulin resistant, things like keto might be a little bit better because you are sensitive to carbohydrates and certain carbohydrates. But it's not saying you have to completely cut carbohydrates out because you do need carbohydrates for energy. Your brain needs a certain amount of carbohydrates to function. Um, you need it to recover from your workout. So, um, and that's so yeah, important. Yeah, and those of you listen, those of you listening that are thinking, because I am listening, and I have in the past thought I'm going to cut out all carbs because carbs are the enemy. And I say this: this is years ago, so I've come a long way. Everyone, let's just get that down first. <laughs> but I did. I went through stages where I was like, carbs are the enemy. I'm going to cut all carbs out. I think I had a holiday booked, and I was like, I'm going to eat nothing but chicken and nut butter <laughs> before I go. I want to look lean, and. Um, and it, it, yeah, it's realizing that some of these foods, I think, I think the food industry loves to put like a victim, a bad guy, likes to like victimize one of the food groups, like fat's the enemy, sugar's the enemy, well, could you prefer sugar maybe, maybe we can leave sugar in that chair, but you know what I mean, like all of these things, th this is what you need to avoid because this is going to make you fat and this is going to ruin your life and, and we like to have one person food group, whatever, to blame. And I, and I think a, a, such a large part of that is, is starting to believe that fat isn't going to make you fat. <laughs> eating fat. Yeah, eating fats are not going to make you fat. Carbohydrates are not bad. There's, there's certain forms of these foods that are better than the other. So when we talk about fats, we want healthy fats. We want your avocados. We want your nut butter, your nuts, your seeds, your oils. Because... You, we need a healthy amount of fat in our bodies for our hormones to develop, like hormones are made like with fat, so uh, we need that, we need as a woman we need a healthy level of body fat to be able to have functioning periods and things, fat does not make you fat again with carbohydrates as well, carbohydrates are not bad, like sugary processed, refined carbohydrates, they're not good they're okay in small amounts I, I mean, this is what I say to my clients, I don't ever endorse cutting out entire food groups because again it depends on the individual and their relationship with food. I've had a really bad negative relationship with food. I've had eating disorders. So if somebody tells me to completely cut cake out, that is triggering for me because I'm like, oh, that's really restrictive. But if I if it's there and I can have it, I almost, I don't eat it as much as I, I would before. And it's, it's knowing the good, good and, not the good and bad because I hate, but the, the ones that are more nutritionally beneficial for you. So you're not so refined carbohydrates, your oats, your rice, your sweet potatoes, um, normal potatoes, like, and again, it's how you, I think potatoes get a bad reputation because of, like, chips, it's how you cook it, like, if you are deep frying your potatoes, yes, like, that's not the most nutritionally beneficial way to eat them, but say, like, 
cooking potatoes and then boiling them and then eating them like cold on a salad that's way better for you or like roasting them like um having your sweet potato when you want to roast that mash it whatever like it's so it's not i think yeah it, food groups can be demonized through diet culture and through these fad diets because essentially all we want is a quick fix so then that confuses us and then when we're not seeing results from eating really really well um, sustainably and we're not seeing really really fast results like these kind of diets have conditioned us to think this is what is normal we then lose all hope and we're like oh it's not working but no it is because you've probably gone through years and years and years of fad dieting and yo-yo dieting trying every next way of eating your body needs to adapt and adjust to eating properly and and, and it being um consistent consistently as well yeah that's so that's so good to hear and 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 I think it's it, sometimes you just need sometimes you just need to fill your brain with messages like this because sometimes and I'm guilty to it as well I think everyone can say at one point in their life they've wanted a quick fix to things like they've wanted you know I want I want this now I want we, we live in a world where we get everything at the, the touch of a fingertip don't we we want to order food we can order it we want to watch a series you don't have to wait until next week you can watch it all Im- immediately and um Steph and I have talked about this on on previous podcasts the the benefits of meditation in terms of of, of helping with the way that you pick food because you're less focused on instant gratification you're you're better at um controlling that mind and, and working through from a little bit more of a reassured and centered place and I think it, it's, it's knowing that the the consumer industry that is designed to make you spend money and you go into the shops and you see fat free or or reduced salt and and the whole fat free thing um, really winds me up because people then look at that and think oh I need to be buying fat low fat things because fat's bad and and you're looking at that in the healthy section of a supermarket. So someone that doesn't really understand or hasn't been this, this information been brought to their attention will look at that and think that's better for me. And you're like, no, it's not designed to help you. <laughs> it's so confusing for people because we do think, okay, fat, fat is bad. So then I'll go and buy these low fat yogurts, which are then to replace fat, basically flavors food as well. It gives food good flavor. So you're buying your low-fat yogurts or your low-fat just different cheeses and things like that or just diet products, but they are then pumped with sugars and chemicals and flavourings and artificial flavourings to give it a best taste because it's had that natural taste taken away from it. And those things are just even worse for your body than probably just eating your full-fat Greek yogurt that's coming from a whole source. It's a whole food. It's natural. It's like you look at the ingredients on the back and you can probably pronounce all of the ingredients and it tells you exactly where it's come from. And we look at that and think, well, but it's, it's high-fat content, but it's a healthy fat. Fats that we want to avoid are like your like fats from say your pizzas and your dominoes and those kind of fats that aren't necessarily the best for you and again this isn't me being like never eat those things have them in moderation i had a pizza last night i'd be lying to say that i didn't i have chinese (laughs) but i don't do it every single weekend and i don't do it every single day like the majority of my diet does come from whole food sources and again yeah like you're so right it takes so long to kind of um condition yourself out of that way from that because it is an industry essentially that wants us to they feed off our insecurities they feed off things that we want to change about ourselves and they bring all these products out and convince us that the next best product to get this quick fix like buy this pill have this diet pill and you'll lose this amount x amount of skinny teas those kind of things we've all probably fallen victim to those yeah it makes me so angry because yeah it's it's it I don't know how it's allowed. That's what makes me angry about it. I don't know how it's allowed because it's preying on people's insecurities, like you say, and and you buy into it and you just think, oh, it's going to help me. It's going to be a quick fix, and it's not only a waste of money, but it's not going to aid your health. It's not going to aid you in, in that way. So it, it is a quick fix, and it's just how is that allowed? Yeah, yeah mind boggles. I just wanted to say someone's got a question in. Yeah, about the, how would you deal with the cravings that you know aren't nutritionally beneficial? And this is a really a good, good question, I think, because I feel like I have a clear understanding of what is nutritionally beneficial, but I will sometimes still have those cravings. Um, so I guess everyone's got different, different ways of dealing with it. Do you have a set kind of way that you deal with it, or do you just play it day by day? I will definitely play it day by day. Again, so it's part of things, 
So, like, again, I think it comes in different parts. So, learning where these cravings are coming from and why you want them. So, again, understanding your body. Are you sleep deprived? So, when we are getting efficient, like, sufficient sleep, our bodies do naturally crave more sugary kind of treat kind of foods to keep those energy levels up. Um, but when you are getting sufficient amount of sleep, it, so not getting enough sleep does mess with your hunger hormones, your leptin, your adrenaline, it can completely throw them out of whack. So we don't really register when we're full um, to stop eating when we're like hungry um, to sleep. Is it coming from more of a, like a psychological place? Do you, is it because you are maybe putting these foods on a pedestal, like I mentioned earlier, labeling them good and bad, so then you're constantly craving chocolate almost, and you're probably not. And then it, that, that comes back to listen, learning to listen to your body. Um, so it can take time as well. I'm not like saying I just like kind of don't crave these foods anymore. Um, and, I, and also giving into these cravings. So we always see these things sometimes. I don't know if you've seen on social media like, oh, if you're craving chocolate, eat kale or blah, blah, because you're missing these minerals and kind of go for healthier swaps. So, for example, if I'm craving chocolate, I'll always keep dark chocolate in the house. Um, it's like, it is new, more nutritionally beneficial for me. It's high in magnesium. Um, and that just helps with sleep. And it's a, um, it's a mineral that we need as females as well. Um, so I'll keep those and just maybe have a square of dark chocolate. Um, so it's just kind of finding healthier swaps. But then sometimes just giving into that craving. Because sometimes we don't. Sometimes we think, oh, um, Say, for example, if you're out for tea with a friend and you do fancy a little bit of cake there, have it, get into it, and then you'll feel satisfied, so then you probably won't eat X, Y, and Z afterwards. Whereas I used to do that. I used to think, oh, I'm craving, like, that brownie. I'm going to go eat this over here instead. And then I'd probably have that. That really doesn't satisfy me. Then I'd probably have something else, and then I would give it and eventually have the brownie. Yeah. And then you already eat all these other foods, and then the brownie on top. Whereas if you probably just have the brownie, you were satisfied, you move on. And again, that just comes from a psychological level, so it can get deep. So just figuring out why you're craving these foods. Are you tired? Are you stressed? Um, are you just feeling a little bit unhappy? Um, I used to work at a cinema when I was like 19, and I would get home really early, like early hours of the morning because we'd sometimes be there at 2am. And I'd get in and I'd be like, oh, I just want all the chocolate and all the blah, blah. It's because I was so tired, a normal person would just go to bed and go to sleep. You're getting in at 2 a.m., I've done a really long shift at work, go to bed. I'd probably just literally walk, and I'd be on autopilot, I'd walk to my fridge and eat whatever sweet stuff I had in there. And then I started journaling, so I think my main tip with this is food journaling. So write down kind of like what you're eating, and then your mood's next to it. So say if you were really craving chocolate and you went and ate loads of, cho- you went and ate loads of chocolate, write down how you felt or what happened in that moment to make you do that. And then that will start to like make you more aware of your triggers in that sense of like the, the reasons why you're doing it. And then you can start to find different mechanisms to cope with it. So mine was, I was tired, I just go to sleep. Or if I'm stressed, I would go have a shower or go have a walk, go for a walk. And then it comes back to what you said about the meditation aspect. Makes you more mindful of it. So becoming more aware, more consciously aware, breathing, taking a few deep breaths and then if you say 10, 15 minutes, you still really are fancying that brownie or that piece of chocolate, have a little bit, then move on. Give into it, yeah, and don't demonise it. Yeah, I love that. Do you know what? Food journaling, for me, it made me realise that I now know when I'm lonely, I crave biscuits. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and now I know that if I'm feeling lonely, I'll call a friend, I'll cuddle my dog. But yeah, it was really random. I, I knew for me it was biscuits. For some reason, the feeling of loneliness, I want a biscuit. I want all the biscuits in the world. Sometimes I'll have a biscuit, sometimes I'll call a friend, sometimes I'll do something else. So yeah, it's just, it's just identifying and, and I think it all comes back to having that deeper connection and understanding with yourself. And it, it, it keeps kind of circulating back to that, which is just such a, a key aspect, I really think, is having that understanding of your body what these signs are what these emotions are and not actually thinking yeah yeah no, sorry. yeah. <laughs> no and, and it's just uh, it's just like thinking oh you know for instance for me I'm feeling lonely not oh I'm not lonely I just want biscuits I'd give me a biscuit it's actually being like well, well where's that loneliness coming from why am I lonely what have I got to feel lonely I've got a family I've got friends I've got all these people in my life I've got no reason to feel and you have to delve into that and it's not pushing it down and it's not suppressing it and 
when you were um, dealing with your with your eating disorder, did it did it take a lot of kind of getting to know you and understanding where this where these feelings and emotions have come from? And is that a way that you made it through and kind of and, and dealt with it? Is that something that you used? Yeah, one hundred percent. I think it is getting to know why you do it, where it does come from. And I think this is why I always say work with a professional if, if this is affecting you on that deeper level, because they can help you understand why you are why you're kind of reaching to food for a comfort like, or a coping mechanism almost um, and kind of learning how, again, yeah, like to deal with it in different ways. Like you say, phone, we are lonely, phone a friend because that is, that is what you need. Your, your body doesn't need that biscuit right now. Um, your body doesn't need something else. And again, it, it's coming to trust our bodies. Like our bodies are so, so clever. They always tell us what it was and what it wants, what it doesn't want. When we're when we have like an injury, for example, it's, it's that's our body telling us to maybe slow down. We pushed it a little bit too far. Um, it is always speaking to us, and it's learning to work with it, not against it. Um, and again, I think all this conflicting information out there does, and again, it just comes to that quick fix kind of mentality. Um, we we won't take the time to really go deep to think. Right, I'll listen and trust myself for what I want because we always turn to the next thing to give us that quick results and that quick fix. And then we get so confused. It's weird, it's like we almost trust these sources of things that we don't know and we've never met more than trusting ourselves. Yeah. So you do have to, sometimes it can be hard to do that really deep internal kind of reflection and learning, and it can be like really like draining and it can be sad and. Also, then it can be happy because then you have a breakthrough. You're like, oh my god, yeah, it's not, it's not the food or whatever. It's just this situation. Now deal with it better. Yeah, so, so true. And I think you know we've we've all dealt with um, lockdown in our own individual ways, but um, I definitely think something that valuable that's come out of it for a lot of people is actually they've had the time to do that deep work. And and I do honestly think a lot of the time we're so busy. Like, we're so busy, we, we want to do anything but deal with that, because like you say, it's draining, and it, after I've done that kind of work on myself and really delved into it, I'll need to nap, because <laughs> it's exhausting, and, and you know, once you have that time to really, to delve into those deeper, darker questions, and, and develop that relationship with yourself, I, yeah, I really, I really do think you have just a deeper understanding of, of all those signs that come in. Um, I feel like we could talk about that as a whole other tangent of things, isn't it? We could talk about that for years. <laughs> um, but I did, I did want to ask you, um, and this is something that's that's recently over the past kind of two years come to light for me. But um, your your information and your opinion on on gut health and how that can affect your your mood and your your cravings and things and things in within the nutritional realm. <laughs> yeah. So. Again, I talk from like, pers- again, I'm not like a gut health expert. Um, I talk a lot from personal experience um, and then just from books that I've read and information that I've read. So like they do say your gut is like essentially your second brain and there are direct links between your, your gut and your brain. Um, and again, like when I mentioned earlier, 95% of your serotonin, which is a happy hormone, is, it is produced in the gut. So your gut health is key. Um, but also for things like hormones. So... Um, if you're so for estrogen for women, it is secreted through going to the toilet, like me and women. If you're not having healthy bowel movements, your body can't secrete those extra hormones, and then they're just still lingering around in the body. Um, and having like so, your gut. So say for example, my personal experience. Um, I when I was younger was diagnosed with IBS. I would always get like horrendous pains. I would be like keeled over. Um, this started as early as like 14, which is weirdly the same time as I was getting all of my pelvic pains, really heavy, painful periods, and I never really thought there might have been a link between the two. Um, and then I went on the pill, and kicking myself now because I've got massive like anti kind of pill hate conception. <laughs> I'm with you there, yeah. <laughs> That's a different whole other podcast. <laughs> Some mornings, 
especially like I say on Monday morning, which again goes back to my eating disorder because I would be so restricted in the week, Monday to Friday, that Saturday and Sunday would be my free foot. Be like, Saturdays and Sundays don't count, but then that was when it would get worse, my binge and restrict and my purge cycles. And then when it came around to Monday morning, um, and we was in like, say, an early, early 9 a.m. class, my lower stomach would be in agony, I would be so bloated, and that would affect my dancing, I would be so tired, I'd feel really heavy and sluggish. Um, this was going on for ages, um, and then I had my, last year I had my operation for um, my keyhole surgery, um, and then in there they saw that my like gut was really inflamed, so then I had to have like a few more procedures and all those things, and then I got, um, worked with a lovely like, um, gastro consultant and she finally like got to the point like the diagnosis of this thing called slow transit digestion which was basically my food was taking like I had to like have this liquid like have this like real patient shake and it had like little blue things that would light my gut up and then I would have to have an x-ray every single morning not an x-ray like a scan every single morning so they could see it moving through my gut and it took about six days for it to completely move and come out the other end which is not it's not normal it's not healthy so I wasn't going to the toilet frequently like not to get too much information but I don't, I don't care I'm an overshare but yeah I wasn't going to the toilet toilet frequently you should you should have at least one healthy bowel movement a day and I was probably not even having one week sometimes like and then that affects so that would affect my kind of nutrients being extracted from my food in the gut um so then you think okay I'm tired because my body's not really digesting my food properly it's not extracting the nutrients it needs and it's sitting in my gut it's fermenting it's not feeling great and I'm feeling heavy and I do I do believe that those effects came from eating disorders and what I was doing to my body because from a young age I wasn't fueling my body right, I wasn't eating well, I was putting it through these binge purge strict cycles and then in the long term now I'm here and my digestive function was just all over the shop. So um, gut health is so important and then again I think it's there's so much information out there, what do you do to have a healthy gut? Um, and it is as simple as eating whole foods and eating your fruits and eating your vegetables and you know limiting your sugars sugar is processed sugar for the gut not i know i recognize now when i eat a lot of processed sugar again i'm really bloated and i'm really like sluggish and tired because it's just not as wholly digested there's no nutrients as much nutrients in that as your fruits and your vegetables and fiber as well we need enough fiber to be able to push it through this that you soluble in your insoluble fiber to be able to bulk your stools up and then enough to be able to actually push it through your gut. So if you're not eating enough fiber, then you're probably not um, going to the toilet regularly. But then fiber also keeps your foot. Um, so kind of eating the skins on your fruits and things like that um, it helps you keep you fuller for longer. So then you're not you're not as likely to then keep nibbling and being a cereal snacker throughout the day. Oh, I love that. I didn't know that. That was that's um that's a new one for me. The whole on the skins on your fruits. That's not like that. I'm going to do that now. <laughs> well, to be fair, actually, I feel like I was that person that always ate the skin on a kiwi, and it was not a health reason. It was because I couldn't be bothered to, like, cut it in half and then spoon it out. So, yeah, I was... I am that weirdo. So, yeah, take me or leave me, you know. That's who I am. <laughs> um, I think, um... Give me a heart talk to you for a whole other hour I think this has been such a good chat and and I think you know without going too much into the whole again demonizing the media and the social conditioning that we've been put under I think you know we can strive for a day when we look at someone and rather than think oh she's got a great six-pack we can be like she has got a really healthy gut that would just be the dream wouldn't it <laughs> less and can hold a six pack whatever like whatever they eat because it 
essentially just comes down to genetics, that six pack is your level of body fat. But it's essentially some women to get to that such low level of body fat, it's not healthy for you. Um, so yeah, learning to eat for reasons other than that and stay healthy and like I was and it's so true, like I was actually having this discussion with a friend the other day because she's noticed some like digestion issues. And like coming from I'm the same like saying so coming from a history of eating disorders, you have that like restrict binge and restrict cycle. When you when you break free from that, um and you kind of overcome that, to cut a food group out can be really triggering. But then when you are having digestive issues, because say you might have been eating a little bit more cake and chocolate than you usually would, um then Sorry, I've lost my train of thought now. Um, and then it's not restrictive cutting it out because you're doing because it's coming from a better place. So almost like, and she's saying things like, I don't want to like cut anything out. And I think then that's because that whole anti diet portion comes in. But, and now I'm in a better place with it. There was almost that like, oh, um, I'm having these issues. I don't, I don't want to cut food groups out because anti diet culture. But then actually, eating this food isn't serving me right now because it's not making me feel good from the inside. So it's having that kind of knowing that maybe eating too much of the bad stuff isn't serving you. It's not being like um, anti-diet culture to like completely think, oh, I'm never going to eat that cake because it's coming from a better place. Because again, it is, it's making yourself healthier from the inside out. And that's what I always say to people. So I'm always like, don't cut food groups out, but just recognise how they make you feel from the inside out. Yeah, I love that message. I think that's so important. And I think if we can, it's, I think it's a lot of rewiring and it's a lot of kind of re, re like defining what we view as health. It's not always the size. It's not always losing weight. Sometimes it's gaining health knowledge and health understanding. And, and yeah, I think, I think this is something that we can, we always probably will have to potentially continue to remind ourselves of because otherwise the media and social conformity will kind of step in and make us think one thing is right and one thing should be obtained so I think if we can constantly fill ourselves with that positive influence then I think we're on the right path then really. Definitely I think it's because they do constantly put this message into our head that weight gain is bad. Sometimes it's not like if it is coming I know I've definitely gained weight from when I was in university but in that time I was in such a mentally unwell place with my relationship with food. Now my relationship with food is so much better. Yes I've gained a little bit of weight, I've gained a bit of body fat, I have tummy rolls but I'm such a better place with food, my relationship with food, and I eat so much better now in regards to fueling my body and treating it well. So it's, we are conditioned to think weight gain is bad, and it, it's not in, in, certain, in certain circumstances. I just want to reach through the screen and give you a hug. <laughs> it's been so good to talk to you. I want to say thank you so much. And for those listening um, on Catch Up Now or on Spotify, um, Flourish PT is where we can find you. What sort of things do you um, offer in terms of personal training? Do you kind of have a, a specialist niche or do you work with anyone and everyone? What's your thing? Yeah, so I predominantly work with females. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but I can recommend some incredible personal trainers and people that work with men. Um, but yeah, so female, I focus so personal training, so um, fitness and health. Um, but more from a mindset point of view, so it's always mindset first. It's developing that healthy relationship with your body, yourself, and with food. Um, I have nutritional coaching, and again, it's it's nutritional coaching. So it's it's finding what works for you. It's not like maybe set diet plans. Um, and like I said, I'm not a dietitian. So if you have things like really, like if you have eating disorders, you've got diabetes or any conditions like that, that's seek professional help with that. Um, yeah, Pilates, I'm a Pilates teacher. I'm a very like holistic health and well-being coach. Um, so it's not a case of come to me and like I'm just gonna throw like a barbell at you and be like with this. If you that's if that's what you don't enjoy, we won't do that. We'll find what works for you. Um, for longevity as well, it's not a quick fix. I say this to my clients all the time. We're not here to get you twelve weeks on a bar. We're here to do this for to be. But I don't want you to be with me forever. Like as much as I love my clients and I would want them to be with me forever, but I essentially want to teach them the tools to live a happy, healthy life always, so they don't always have to rely on me or rely on a plan. I love that. I love that, and I love you, and I'm just really thankful. Thankful for this chat, and thankful for sharing your knowledge. I think something we can be really grateful for in this time is that we can do these sort of talks and connect in this way. And yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> so, yes. 
Um, those of you that are listening, um, Steph and I will be back next week with um, another wellbeing topic. So by all means, tune in if you're interested in these sort of talks. Um, and of course, you can always catch up on Spotify and share with friends, family, anyone that you think this might be helpful to. But we'll see you guys next week. And thank you so much, Charlotte. Big kisses. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of A to Z Wellbeing. If this information has been of any help or interest to you, please share it with others so we're able to reach and therefore help more people. Until next time.